and I'm going to call Pastor Rico. Pastor Chris and his family are finishing up a vacation in Cape May right now. They're visiting another church today, and they'll be back this week. Awesome. Thank you, Brina. Good morning, True Life Church. I wish I was in Cape May. Anybody else right now listening to Jesus through the stream? Um, anyway, yeah, Pastor Chris, well-deserved vacation. That's awesome. So this morning, I'm going to pick up talking about the book of Proverbs um, we're going to start off in chapter 9. Anybody been reading the chapter a day? Yeah, that's cool. Any good insight? Encouragement, correction, good stuff. All right. So today we're going to talk about um, a holy and unholy invitation. All right. So imagine you get up in the morning, you check your mail, and you have this beautiful card. It's decked out, beautiful decoration. Calligraphy, I think it's called. Mandy does that really well. And it has a, a nice scent to it. It like, smells like roses. Oh, wow, this is going to be a cool event. Let's see what it is. You open up the envelope, and there's an invitation. All right? And you receive two of those. One is from wisdom, and one is from a spirit called folly or foolishness. And they're both extremely enticing. And this morning, we're going to decide which one we're going to respond to. And it's okay if you responded to foolishness and you... You just woke up from a crazy party. But we're going to talk about what it means to respond to each and how to make the right decision. Amen? So if we can stand for the reading of the word real quick. Proverbs chapter 9, verse 1. By the way, I love how our, sh our chairs praise God too. <laughs> Isn't that awesome? So if you're silent, the chairs will praise just like Jesus said, if you be silent, the rocks will cry out. Our chairs will cry out. Okay. I've been waiting for that since we started. <laughs> anyway, don't tell Pastor Chris. Best. All right, Proverbs chapter 9, verse 1 through 6, and then we're going to read 13 through 18. It says, Wisdom has built her house. She has hewn out her seven pillars... She has slaughtered her meats. She has mixed her wine. She has also furnished her table. So wisdom is getting ready to throw a nice party. Okay? She has set, sent out her maidens. She cried, I'm sorry. She cries out from the highest places of the city. Whoever is simple, let him turn in here. As for him who lacks understanding, she says to him, Come, eat my bread, drink of the wine, I have mixed, forsake foolishness and live, and go in the way of understanding. That's the invitation. That's number one. Number two, a foolish woman is clamorous or speaks brashly, right, loud, obnoxiously loud. She is simple and knows nothing, for she sits at the door of her house on a seat by the highest places of the city to call to those who pass by, who go straight on their way, Whoever is simple, let him turn in here. And as for him who lacks understanding, she says to him, stolen water is sweet and bread eaten in secret is pleasant. There's two messages, two invitations. But she, then it says here, but he does not know that the dead are in there, that her guests are in the depths of hell. An unholy invitation. You may be seated. Okay, so 
Last week, Pastor Chris started the series, and he was talking about how Proverbs, what's the beginning of wisdom, guys, is the, the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord means what? To respect him, right? To be in awe of him. And you'll, you'll probably see a theme, too, as you read Proverbs. It talks about the fear of the Lord and the knowledge of the Lord. So we, we're in awe of him, we respect him, and when we know him, that's the beginning of wisdom. Okay, so that's the basic theme here. Now, there's other voices in the world that cry out to us. There's worldly wisdom, natural wisdom. There, the Bible talks about demonic wisdom that, that is sensual, that is from the natural, is not of God. Okay, so we're constantly hearing voices. Our, even our culture is, is crying out to us, being really loud, trying to get our attention. And as believers in Christ Jesus, um, even if you're not at the moment, who are you going to respond to? The wisdom of God or the wisdom of the world or the enemy? Okay? And both of them are loud. Both of them are enticing. Both of them sound good. But you have to respond to the right one. Okay? So let's look at Folly's invitation number one. Uh, Proverbs 9, 13 through 18 Again, it says that a foolish woman is clamorous or just really loud. She is simple and knows nothing. For she sits at the door of her house on a seat by the highest places of the city. To what? To call those who go straight on their way. You know what that phrase means? Someone who is just walking down a path, not paying attention. They're not in tune to the things of God. They're just selfish into themselves. They're caught up with daily living, and they're just on a straight, just on that path, just walking with their head down. Perhaps they're texting, you know, or, or swiping. You guys ever do that? You swipe aimlessly? You have no idea why? Anyway, I don't do that. So you walk, you walk down the path, not paying attention, and guess what? Someone's going to catch your attention and startle you, and foolishness tends to do that when you're not attuned to the things of God or paying attention you know, she calls to those who pass by, who go straight on their way. Whoever is simple, let him turn in here. So foolishness does not make you go to her house. She invites you to, and then you make the decision to turn in there. Why? Because foolishness always has an enticing promise. Listen to, listen to her words. She says in verse 17, stolen water is sweet. Stolen water is sweet. Everybody here agrees that water is good for you, right? It nourishes you. It helps you. But then she says, you can, you can actually enjoy life illicitly without God with no consequence. Who needs God? Enjoy life. And the actual literal Hebrew translation here. And it applies to many things, but when it, says, when it says stolen water is sweet, it's talking about adultery, illegal sexual activity outside of, of marriage. And you see, that, you see that theme this week when you read Proverbs, what is it, 6 through 9? There's chapters about adultery. Why does God put emphasis on that? Because not just physical, natural adultery to husband and wife, but oftentimes we commit adultery with God in our hearts by going after, after other things. In James 4, it tells us, don't be, don't be an adulterous generation. You know, put God first place in your life. 
He often compared the nation of, no, sorry, the nation of Israel to adulterers because they went after idols and forsook their first love. So the focus there is saying, guys, God just wants your heart. And foolishness says, you don't need God. You can do whatever you want and there's no consequence. It's okay. Everyone's doing it. So here's the thing. When you read the scriptures and you encounter truth, you have a choice. To say, yes, Lord, I correct my way in loving obedience to you. I repent. Or no, I'll do my own way because stolen water is sweet. What did Satan tell uh, Eve in the garden? He didn't upright just lie to her. He deceived her. He put half-truths. He said, did God indeed say? He planted doubt. So foolishness, the enemy, the world will plant doubt in your head to make you rationalize things that are not part of God's word or, or is best for you. They sound good, and they're loud, and everyone is doing it. But what does God say about it? So she says, stolen water is sweet. That's a, a life without God and trying to enjoy the benefits without the Lord. It's temporary at best, but there's always going to be a, this feeling in our heart that wants more. God put a, a void in our heart that cries out to him, and it can only be filled by him. So you can enjoy the, the pla plas um, passing pleasures of sin and Think about this, guys. God wants us to enjoy life and have fun. Remember, I remember Pastor Chris a few years ago, there was a series about doing everything to the glory of God, right? Feast for the glory of God. Have fun for the glory of God. Put God first place. The Bible says in his right hands there's pleasures forevermore. He's full of joy. He wants you to have fun. He just, he laid these guidelines to protect us from hurt and destruction in our lives. He knows what destroys relationships. He knows what gives us uh, takes away our peace and gives us anxiety and fear and guilt and shame. He's trying to protect us from those things. So as you read the book of Proverbs this month, that's all he's saying. God's saying, hey, guys, I, I'm going to show you the way of peace, the way of a long life, the way to sleep through the night, to be protected. So God is for us, not against us, and he's trying. God is so awesome because not only does he give us instructions, but he actually imparts that wisdom and tells us what to do through the scriptures. So don't listen to folly's imitation. And then it says, eat in secret. No one's looking, no one cares. So this mindset says, there's no consequence. There's no consequence, it's okay. As long as you're not hurting anybody. Right? So foolishness, again, the purpose of the enemy in walking in foolishness is to take our focus away from God, from being God-conscious to self-conscious and living in darkness. But Jesus said everything that's done in secret will come to light, right? So Satan will lie and say there's no consequence, right? But God says there's always consequence. He says, God says to us, walk in the light as I'm in the light and there's freedom. I can work with you. I can help you. Just rip off the band-aid and let me treat the wound of your soul. Don't hide, you know. The enemy wants you to hide. We all, we all have, right, everybody here, including myself, we have flaws, right? We have sinful tendencies or habits in our minds and thoughts. 
And Satan wants to keep it in the dark. God says, no, bring it to the light so that the light of my grace and power can transform you. Let love transform you. God already knows. There's no need to hide anything from God. He's like, I see everything. You know? So when we repent, it's not when God finds out about it. When we repent, it's when we allow God to help us deal with it. Amen? All right. So God loves us. Now, what's the consequence of all this? It leads to one thing, guys. Ultimately, um, I'm getting ahead of myself, but it leads to destruction. The Bible says that the wages of sin is death. So let's say you're walking in these uh, foolish principles you're reading in Proverbs, right? You're stealing, adultery, lying, laziness. Something's going to die, whether it's a relationship, perhaps your career, um, peace of mind. You're dealing with guilt and shame. What happens? Because we walked in foolishness, there's consequences. Something dies in your life. Not necessarily physically. It could If you're out there doing crazy decisions, you know, you might make one decision that will take your life because you weren't walking in wisdom. Okay? So I know that sounds like, wow, this is really somber. It's crazy. We'll get to the good news in a second. So anyway, what invitation are you going to listen to? Don't listen to foolishness because it's crying out every day of your life. Foolishness tells you, hey, don't forgive that person. You have a right to give them a piece of your mind. You know, it's okay. They'll get over it. Or you can listen to wisdom that says, no, walk in love, pray for them, talk it out, find a resolution. So we're constantly bowing this. Remember the old cartoons of the bad angel and the good angel? Foolishness and wisdom. And oftentimes, wisdom comes as a whisper. Foolishness comes as loud and obnoxious. You guys agree? You know Why? Because foolishness speaks from the outside. God speaks from the inside in your heart. We have to be in tune to the Holy Spirit and listen to his whisper that will guide us to wisdom. Because wisdom is in you right now. And it's Jesus. So when you get up in the morning and say, Jesus, I'm responding to you. I'm going to your feast. Amen? So let's talk about that feast of wisdom, okay? First of all, wisdom prepares a feast for us. There's preparation. Proverbs 9.2 says, number one in the preparation piece, she has slaughtered her meats. She has slaughtered her meats. What does that represent, guys? Jesus. The first step to Jesus is this. When wisdom prepares her feast, the first thing there is is her sacrifice. When it says she prepared her meat, it speaks of the cross of Christ, the lamb slain before the foundation of the world. Why is that foundational and essential to wisdom's feast? Number one, you cannot gain access to God's wisdom without Jesus. God so loved the world that he gave his son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. The moment you receive the free gift of salvation, that's your first response to wisdom. That says, God, yes, I want to live for you. 
I, I'm a sinner. I'm separated from you. Thank you for sending Jesus to die on the cross for my sins. I respond to your invitation. And the moment you do, the Bible says you're born again by the Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit comes to live in you. And guess what? Wisdom is imparted. What's the beginning of wisdom? The fear of the Lord. The knowledge of the Holy One. You get to know God's wisdom through the cross. That's number one. Number two, it says she has mixed her wine. And in the Bible, wine is a symbol of the Holy Spirit. Remember in Ephesians, that's not be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. What does wine represent? After the cross, you are filled with the Holy Spirit, who is wisdom. He comes to live inside of you, and then he helps you walk the Christian life and apply the wisdom of God as you learn it through the scriptures. So her feast, number one, on the table, she prepared the meat. The lamb is slain. The blood is applied. You're in God's kingdom. You're able to see and understand. Wisdom is imparted. Number two, the Holy Spirit helps you to apply that wisdom as you live for him. There's the meat, the cross, the wine, the Holy Spirit. That's the preparation. And number three is the table itself. Imagine this beautiful big table. Remember Psalm 23, as God says, I set a table before you in the presence of your enemies. Now, is there, is there enemies in heaven? Where is this table at? What does that mean? That means you're able, God's able to bless you and to walk in his abundant life and victory here now in the presence of your enemies. So the table represents the abundant life in Christ Jesus. Your victorious life through Christ as you live for him now. So the wisdom of God invites you to salvation. You respond. Number two, the Holy Spirit lives in you. He guides you. He gives you revelation. He bears witness to the truth of God's word. And he teaches you and helps you. And number three, when you do that, you're able to enjoy the abundant life in Christ. Love, joy, peace, goodness, protection, blessing, guidance, right? All the benefits of the cross and resurrection that Jesus did for us, we have access to because of Jesus. And we're, we're freely able to enjoy that as we walk his ways. You can be saved and have eternal life and be on your way to heaven, but still walk in areas of foolishness. So God invites us to examine every area of our lives and say, God, where can I respond to wisdom here, not foolishness? Where am I lacking? Not, God still loves you regardless, unconditionally. You're his forever. You're going to heaven. But what's awesome about God is like, I love you too much to leave you there. I want you to enjoy this life before you get to heaven. I want you to show the world who I am. I want you to be a testimony. And I want you to put the enemy under your feet. Can you enforce his defeat for me, please? Because the enemy is defeated. We're his body. And we're, we're the kingdom enforcement officers. We're to, we're to resist them. We're to tell them to get under our feet. You have no authority over me. So we get an opportunity to put the devil in his place while he's still here in Christ Jesus and live in victory. And then tell the world that Jesus can set them free. Just like he set you free. Amen. 
we get to be heralds of the good news and invite people as the maidens and say, come and feast at this table. So as you partake in God's wisdom, God makes you his messenger. You guys see that? And you're able to, you're able to testify with conviction of this great feast because you've partaken of it. Man, that meat is really good. Those drinks, awesome. The music is great. There's peace, there's dancing, there's freedom. So that's just, that's just a table. So now, again, the cross leads to wisdom. You can't access the wisdom of God without first the gospel. That's your first encounter with God's wisdom. You need me, guys, and I love you, and I died for you. So the simple man who's just walking, who doesn't know the Lord, God cries out in his love through us and says, God loves you. There's a feast, and it's Jesus. Okay, so let's talk about what's actually on the table, okay? In verse 5, it says, Come and eat of my bread and drink of the wine I have mixed. Forsake foolishness and, and live and go in the way of understanding. So number one, again, after you receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you're born again. Wisdom is imparted in your life. But how do you continually get wisdom? Number one, you have to eat the bread. What is the bread, guys? God's word. What, what did Jesus say? I am the bread of life. He also said, man cannot live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. You cannot continually walk in wisdom unless you're eating bread from the table on a daily basis. I love in the scriptures when you read the book of Kings or whatever, it says they were put on the king's table and they ate the king's bread. Why? Bread speaks of life. Wisdom. The word of God. The living bread that came down from heaven. So when you partake and eat and feast on bread on a daily basis, wisdom of God is imparted into your life. It renews your mind. Nothing to do with your salvation or going to heaven, but it helps you to live here now in victory and get to know him and walk in victory in your life. It helps you to apply the principles of wisdom, the wisdom of God. So we don't read the Bible just to be cool and be religious. Like, I read my Bible. Cool. We read it to communicate with the Lord and him communicating with us. It's a living book. It's breathed by God. It's inspired the Holy Spirit. Yes, it was written at, in, in the past for that time, but it's living. It still speaks today. And God's able to take stories or principles and apply them directly to your life to bring transformation. But what's the first step? You have to come to the table. You have to pick up the bread. You have to open up the Bible. You have to click on the Bible app. And cancel notifications. You know, if you see vacation pictures from Pastor Chris, hold off. I'll check them out in a second. So spend dedicated time with God, wisdom, and allow him to transform you. All you need is one truth that would change your life forever. 
okay? Number two, she has mixed her wine. And again, so you eat of the meat. Then we have to depend on the Holy Spirit, who's God, who's in you, who's called the teacher. And he imparts God's wisdom to your heart. And he helps you to understand the scriptures. So as you read Proverbs this month, you're reading. Next thing you know, something's going to pop out at you. Take a moment to pause for God is speaking. That's your word for the day. That's God speaking to you. Write it down. Highlight it. Then take it. Meditate on it. The wine, the Holy Spirit has spoken to you and gave you revelation, knowledge of his word to apply in your life. Anyone can read the Bible. But without the Holy Spirit illuminating it, you cannot understand it. So try to eliminate distractions in your mind and heart and be persistent. Whether you get it or not, you close the Bible that day and say, God, I thank you that you spoke to me by faith. And you go at it the next day and the next day. And guess what? Over time, it's it's just going to be instant sometimes. God just starts speaking. So you need the word. You need the spirit. The Holy Spirit. He gives us that revelation knowledge. And then, lastly... When you encounter truth, you're to forsake foolishness. What does that speak of? Transformation through obedience and repentance in Christ. God starts renewing your minds and your thoughts and your actions when you encounter truth. And when you allow the Holy Spirit to illuminate to your heart and you are confronted with truth, we're to respond with loving obedience and repentance. What does repentance mean? To turn. That's when you embrace wisdom. That's when you go into wisdom's home and embrace it. You don't stand on the outside and be like, I don't know about that. I'm not sure if I want to go in there. Because obedience and repentance will cost you. Because there's, there's times you want to continue doing what you're doing. Whatever the scripture confronts you with in love, whatever correction God confronts you with, you like, sometimes we like doing it, We have to die to self and say yes to the Lord. And when you do, his word and his power will transform your heart and take away the desire. Even when you're tempted, you have the strong pull of wisdom that says, no, I'm going to yield to wisdom here. Amen. I'm going to yield to wisdom here. Repentance, obedience. And what happens at the end? Wisdom is the result. So as you read the book of Proverbs this month and the scriptures in general, that's wisdom calling out to you. And not just through the scriptures. Every day through your life, the Holy Spirit who lives in you is speaking to you. He's guiding you. He's convicting you. He's encouraging you. He's loving you. Lean into that. And say no to foolishness. Because foolishness is always going to be around. The, foolishness is persistent. One thing about the enemy, he's, he's persistent. He's a loser, but he's persistent. And if we were to be even more, we have to be on our guard, guys. Be more persistent with our Christian walk with the Lord. We'll live in victory. doesn't mean you have to be in a monastery all, all, 24 hours and pray all day. It just means you're God conscious in everyday life. You spend time with him, go about your business. Go to work, raise the kids, have fun, go on vacation. But you're God conscious. He's inside. Lord, I just want to take a moment to praise you and I love you. Thank you for this time.
Just be conscious of his presence throughout the day, and it will help you live in victory. And joy. Don't let the enemy steal your joy. That's what he's after. He wants to keep you down and out, deplete you of faith and joy and your peace, and have you defeated, crawling into heaven, being dragged in there. But I want to go in there shouting and running and victory. Amen? Even if I'm on my, I'm my, I'm my sickbed, man, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to believe God there. I'm going to believe God to the very second and just love on God. Because I'm more than a conqueror through Christ who loved me. I'm going to go out praising God. I don't know about you. Amen? Just like the Apostle Paul. You know what he said before he was beheaded for his faith? He said, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. And he went through a lot. Some, some things we'll never encounter. And we're complaining. We, we stub our toe on the way to church. That's it. I'm not going to church. I'm, I'm going I'm to stream this morning. My, my toe hurts. Sorry. That's, that's not good. I only say because I've been tempted of that too, you know. All right. Let's stand to our feet. Worship team, can you please come up? Let's take a few moments as we sing. God's going to speak to us. God wants to encourage us. Wisdom is calling to us. Let's respond to God, who is wisdom, with a heart of faith and trust and worship. It's just love on him himself. And really, take a moment this morning as we sing. Pray and say, God, impart your wisdom to me. I may not know you, you know, deeply as I should, but I want to know you, God. I want to get to know you. And if you do, if you've been walking with him for years, say, God, I want to go deeper with you. I want to experience your bread, your wine, your feasts. I just want to love on you. So allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you this morning as we worship and praise God.